Good morning, and welcome to the October edition of Black Talk. This is Patricia Welch, Librarian Emeritus. And Emma Jackson Ford, Bookwoman. Hello. And we are delighted to have with us today author Kaylin Barron, who is the author of The Vanquishers. And this is a perfect holiday book for um, intended for young adult readers, but I'm certainly a few days, decades, whatever, beyond young adults, and I really enjoyed this book. So, Kaylin, welcome to Black Book Talk. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. To set the tone, would you read a passage from The Vanquishers so that our listeners will know what we're talking about? Absolutely. So I'm going to read um, from chapter one, just the introduction um, to chapter one, the very first uh, couple paragraphs here. So chapter one, vampires are extinct. Everybody knows that. But some people just can't let the undead stay in their graves. It's been 20 years since the reaping and our parents still won't buy store brand vampire repellent. I don't get it. There's a whole aisle full of this stuff. Cedric is looking at me like I have two heads. I hand him the flyer I'd snatched from the mail before my mom had a chance to toss it. On one side is a picture of a plastic spray bottle filled with shimmering silver liquid and a label shaped like a garlic bulb. On the back are six or seven customer testimonials that say things like, as good as the recipe my grandmother used to make and I'll never use another brand as long as I live. It's a vanquisher approved repellent, I say. It's gotta be legit, right? Cedric rolls his eyes and leans back, his elbows in the grass, his face tilted to the sky. Who is buying this stuff anymore? Vamps are dust. They've been dust for a long time. People need to get over it. He flicks the pedal of his bike with the toe of his sneaker. How could it be Vanquisher approved anyway? The Vanquishers don't exist anymore either. You know that's not true, says Jules. They're still out there. They just don't vanquish anymore. They don't need to. They shrugged. Even before the reaping, vampires were almost completely extinct and Vanquisher approved doesn't really mean anything anyway. It's just something these companies say to get people's money. Cedric Huffs, people out here are selling tap water with silver glitter in it. They're lucky there aren't any vampires around for real or they could get somebody killed with that fake stuff. He sits up and looks at Jules. You know what's actually legit? The repellent Lita makes herself. If a vamp got some of that on them, he whistles and shakes his head. It'd be over. Jules smiles wide. Her recipe is the real deal. Store brand doesn't even have actual silver in it. There are three kinds of people in San Antonio people who buy their vampire repellent from the store, people who only make their own, and people who don't use any at all because they're confident the vanquishers wiped out the last hive of the undead 20 years ago. I'll stop there. I love this. When I was middle school or junior high, I had a friend that I thought was a vampire. I would have loved some of this, some of this liquid. So, I, Cause I keep thinking, <laughs> I don't want to do a sleepover with her. Don't want to spend the night at her house because her canines were so pronounced that I believe she was a vampire, but I didn't know how to tell. So when I first See? started this, I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> this was a story I would like to hear some more about, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
So thank you for writing this. Is there like a moral or a hidden lesson, something for middle schoolers in this book? Yeah, you know, this story is, it's about, you know, it's a, it's a scary story. It's vampires. It's all of that. But it really is, I think, at its core, it's a story about family. It's about the friendships that we make when we're in middle school and how important those are to us and how they feel like the world is kind of crashing down when they don't work out. And um, also how close those relationships can be. Because when I was in middle school, I had this group of friends who was like family. Um, our parents knew each other. Those were my aunties and uncles. We called each other cousins, but we weren't really cousins. It was kind of like this close kind of family relationship. I wanted to to have that at the center of this kind of scary story. But also, um, you know, I think it's it's about not having to continue to do things the way they've always been done. It's also about uh, learning to accept people who might be a little bit different than you. And yeah, it, it, has, it has threads of all of those, those very important kind of life lessons all wrapped up in this very kind of paranormal, scary story. It's been described as a cross between Stranger Things and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But, oh, well, I, I, unlike him, I, I didn't have anybody that I thought was a vampire and quite frankly would not have wanted it. But I have always loved sort of supernatural mysteries and lived for Halloween. So I enjoyed this. And I think even though it was if I was much younger, I didn't really find it, you know, like ah, terrifying, that kind of scary, because the warmth and the, the message about the love between friends, the love between these families was so clear and so very much the message. But I also loved I love the mix. I love the diversity. I love the, 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 the focus of the story were these youngsters. That a very important character was a, a grandmother. And she was apparently a kick butt mama in her day. And even now, I thought that was great. For a minute, I was like, wait a minute, they, I'm confused. And then I realized you had a non-binary character. And, and was, you know, we're respectfully saying they. I love that Cedric had two dads. And as I went through the book, I said, really, mm, I'm not really sure about the racial makeup. I mean, you said something about, let me see, Boog said that she, uh, she greased her hair and she tied up her braids. I was like, okay, hair grease, black. But other yes. than that, you can make whatever assumption, you can color these characters pretty much whatever you want to, because that wasn't an issue. So I love that. So, I mean, I, I, I do assume that that was intentional. Is that something that you've done in all your books? I try to be very intentional in, in, um, in the way my characters come across. I write specifically about Black youth, Black family. Um, it's really important to me. And, and also there, there is a good mix in Vanquishers. So we, you know, we have Bug and we have um, Jules who is, um, who's Puerto Rican. Um, we have this mix of characters who are bringing all of their kind of different cultural identities into the story. But they're also, I think it's important that they're relatable. They are kids like everybody else. They have their, you know, their cultural practices and they have their, the way that they are with their family and their friends. It's important to showcase that with Black characters at the center, because very often in publishing, there is kind of a laser focus on pain, on trauma. And so when we have these stories that just show us in all of our nuance, in all of our 
complexity and the way that we love each other and the way that we love our friends and the way that we gather around food and the way that we, you know, have these connections with people, it's important to have that right at the center of the story. So I hope that I do hope that people can can relate to that because it's it's important to me. Oh, I I think absolutely. I mean, you just draw us in. The main thing is we love these characters as they loved each other. So, yes, I thought that was just incredible. That just sort of warmed my heart from the very beginning and carried me through. Is this your third novel? This is my this is my fourth novel. So I have three uh, I had three YA books before this, and this is my middle grade debut. So that these characters have not appeared in another novel. No, not yet. There, there is a sequel. I have a se- I'm writing a sequel uh, to this story right now. So, um, but no, this is the first time they've they've shown up for me. I'm curious why this genre, why the supernatural. I mean, horror seems like a really harsh term for this book, which is such a lovely yeah. book. But it's still why yeah, I am. I am a a fan of paranormal stories. Um, I'm also aware of how we have this kind of, um, the media that we consume. Uh, when we have stories about vampires, a lot of times we're not centered in those stories either. In the horror genre, paranormal genre together, there, there are not enough stories, I think, that center us and our communities and how things look for us. I was hugely inspired by Octavia Butler's work and, um, and also Toni Morrison's work because even though Beloved is not a a um, a horror novel. Um, it has these threads of this kind of paranormal that parallels this journey that these characters make. Um, how that intersects with their with their everyday life. I wanted to kind of reflect that as well. So for me, all of these things kind of influenced my my um, drive to write a vampire story. I also read a lot of Anne Rice, probably when I was way too young to be reading um, Anne Rice. I love vampire stories. I just wanted to, I wanted to see it for a younger audience because I think middle graders, middle grade age kids love stories like this. Um, And so I wanted to give them another option that, that they could have access to. So it was a lot of, a lot of those things were, were inspirational for me. Your story takes place in San Antonio, Texas. Do you live in the South, in the Southwest? Um, I was in, I lived in San Antonio for five years and I was in San Antonio when I wrote The Vanquishers. So I was there in San Antonio when I wrote it, which was helpful um, because San Antonio is, I love San Antonio. I live in New York now, but San Antonio is a wonderful city and there's such a, an amazing uh, kind of all of these things coming together, all of these different cultures, all of this different food, all of these different experiences. San Antonio is a wonderful, amazing city. So yeah, I was living there when I wrote this uh, this first book. You know, we've kind of jumped into uh, the book and how much we love it and whatever, but you know something, tell our audience just a little bit more, introduce us to the characters. We won't be giving up too much of the story, but you tell us a little bit about your characters. Yeah, so uh, my main character, her name is Malika. Everybody calls her Bug. She is 
a young woman who who cares deeply about her friends, um, about her family. She is intelligent. She is funny. She kind of wears her heart on her sleeve. She is kind of the kind of the leader of this group of friends. And then I have Jules. Jules is a non-binary character. Jules is Puerto Rican. Jules is the grandchild of uh, of a vanquisher and. Lita, her her grandmother, uh, their grandmother, was um, the leader of the Vanquishers, and so Jules is funny and a little with a little quiet, a little shy, um, but they are um, they are just an amazing person. And then there's Cedric. Cedric is the comic relief of this group. Cedric is the joke you know, the person who's always making jokes and he's always wisecracking and uh, he loves food and he loves his dads and he's super into comics. He loves Spider-Man, especially Miles Morales. And then there's Aaron, who is the newcomer. He is the new kid in, in school. And this group of friends kind of takes Aaron under their wing. He's very shy, very smart, um, also loves comic books, him and Cedric kind of bond over that. So this group of friends, uh, this this group of four friends, they are at the center of this story and the story kind of revolves around them and their families. Well, I guess we should define who are the vanquishers officially. It's touched on in, yes. in your uh, reading, but. Yes. So the vanquishers are a group of masked slayers who wiped out the very last hive of vampires in San Antonio 20 years before in this big battle called the Reaping. There are seven vanquishers in total. They have, um, they all have a very distinct mask and uh, a specific set of weapons, a specific set of abilities, and they are retired. Um, After the Reaping, after the vampires were kind of wiped out, they went into hiding because they were trying to keep their identities a secret. And so that is who the Vanquishers were. Where did the title come from? I looked up the word Vanquishers and wondered where the title came from for the book. Yeah, you know, I was, I was, trying, to, I was trying to find a word that felt like, felt like it was powerful enough to kind of to kind of describe what was happening uh, in this story. I wanted it to be kind of compelling. I wanted it to be a, a word that could describe what the slayers, uh, what the vampire slayers were doing, what their job was. And their job is to vanquish the undead. And so I thought, okay, that could work. You know, that could work as kind of the name of, these, uh, of this group of, of vampire slayers. So that's where that came from. Uh, this book was just published September 20th, so it is truly hot off the press. Yes. But uh, as we were discussing before the program, you know, people have this idea that books are published and then they just automatically appear. They are automatically in libraries. They are automatically in the bookstore. They are automatically. But it's really not automatic for you. Once the book has, uh, once you finish the book and turned it over to the publisher, your job is not finished. So just in terms of the reality of being an author today, uh, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you are now doing, what you've had to do to make sure that people know that this wonderful book is available? You're right. There's kind of this perception that you write a book and you turn it in and it's published and it's kind of, you know, very quick and it 
it, but it is a long involved process that takes years from that first draft to publication day can be for me right now with this is my fourth book, the average time between that first draft and pub date is a little less than two years. It is a long process. It involves kind of that first draft and then revising multiple passes of revising with my editor. And then there are copy edits, line edits, you know, things we go from big picture edits. So things about plot, pacing, characters, down to smaller edits, like sentence level, uh, structure, grammar, punctuation, things like that. It, and we have to kind of keep going. I've read this story probably a hundred times over and over, just trying to make sure that it's right. And then even, even then there's more editing to do. So it's this constant kind of back and forth. And when it's finally done, we still are usually, you know, six, seven, eight months out from the publishing date. So yeah, it's, it's a very long process. And I don't think publishing is very transparent. It's, it's hard to know how that process works sometimes because it's just not a very transparent business. And what's interesting to me is, okay, it has been published, but your work, a, a phase of your work now, I would imagine, has just begun. Yes. I, um, once a book is out, it's, you know, my job as a writer is to write these stories, but it's also to make sure that my readers find these stories. And so I, with the help of my publisher, go and uh, for middle grade, I've been really fortunate. I've been able to go and talk to librarians and educators um, in schools and have young readers there talking to them about the book, making sure that their libraries have copies, making sure that their classrooms have copies. It really is about just kind of getting the word out. And sometimes, sometimes that's a, that's a, uh, that, that's a whole nother facet of this job that I do. Yeah. Cause when we indicated that we'd like to talk to you, your publicist is like, well, she's going to be on the road. <laughs> Let me see what we can fit yeah. in. Like, whoa, okay. There's a yeah. we realized. Okay. I, was on a, I was on a book tour and I got back. I've been back for three days. I leave again tomorrow. So I'm, I'm constantly kind of in this two weeks post-publication. It's a constant kind of traveling and, and just trying to get the word out there. Sounds exciting. Exciting so- and tiring. <laughs> <laughs> But a good tiring. Yes, absolutely. So is this your only job? It is. I was a, um, I was a preschool teacher for 10 years while I was writing, while I was trying to make this, this dream a reality. And so now I am. I'm fortunate enough to where I only, um, my only job now is, is writing books for young readers. And I'm really fortunate in that way. Do you have children? I do. I have four kids. Are they old enough to read your YA material yet? Yes, they are. Um, they are 10, 13, 15, and my oldest daughter is 22. And so um, they all help me out a lot by reading my work and telling me if, it, if it's right. And they, they will let me know if it's not. So it's, it's nice to have uh, young readers kind of in my house who can uh, let me know how things are going. I'm curious, is there any possibility that we will see any of your characters on the screen? Because I mean, de- in reading this, I could definitely see them being on a television show or a movie. I would love that. Um, I would love that. Um, some of my other work, 
uh, my YA work has been optioned for TV. So I'm hoping that uh, as Vanquishers kind of gets out into the world that the right people will see it and uh, we can start talking about that because I think it would make a great TV show. I agree. Very wholesome TV show. Yes. You said you're on tour now. So is your tour going to take you to the Northwest? Um, let's see. I am possibly, possibly in early 2023. There are some conferences coming up and uh, I think one of them is in Portland. So it's, it's a possibility. I, I hope so. I used to, I used to live in Portland, Oregon. I love Portland as a city. And uh, so, yeah, I hope so. I hope so too. Please let us know. Okay. Uh, certainly we want to focus on the band. We are focusing on the band pictures, but you do have some other books out. Could you tell us a little bit about your other books? Sure. Uh, yeah. So my, um, my debut novel was a YA novel called Cinderella is Dead. It is a, it is a fantasy novel. Um, and it is about, it is about the kingdom where Cinderella lived and died about 200 years before the events of the book. And so it kind of follows this society that has sprung up after the death of Cinderella and how the Cinderella story has had an effect on this um, society. And my main character, Sophia, is kind of rebelling against this idea that you have to be, that your value as a person is determined by by who you're partnered with. And in this case, in this place, you have to kind of be married and you have to be married very young. And so she, she's rebelling against that. And that is what that story is about. And then I have, um, I have a duology. Uh, the first book is called This Poison Heart. And the second book is called uh, This Wicked Fate. It is a contemporary fantasy that is, I like to describe it as the secret garden meets Little Shop of Horrors with a Greek mythology twist, but it centers a, um, a, uh, a young black girl named Briseis uh, who lives in Brooklyn with uh, her two moms and they own a flower shop and Briseis has a very unique ability. She has the, the ability to control plants. So think Poison Ivy, if Poison Ivy was a 16 year old black girl from Brooklyn. And then Briseis inherits an estate from her recently deceased auntie. And so she and her moms go up to upstate New York to check it out for the summer. And there they find a walled garden filled with the deadliest plants on the planet. And Versailles uncovers some really shocking things about her family's very ancient lineage. So it's kind of a mystery, fantasy, contemporary story. So that is, that's my other YA work that's already out. Well, that is so interesting. A wild (laughs) garden with poisonous plants. Well, how do you even begin to write that? That is wonderful. Yeah, I, I just, I love, musical theater. And so I think Little Shop of Horrors was a huge inspiration for me. And so it was the Secret Garden. So I thought, what if I could just put these things together? And it, it kind of worked out. In your new book that will continue where The Vanquishers stops, uh, how long before it will come out? It will be out in September of next year. So about one year from, from the release date of, of the first book. And going back to the behind the scenes, the technical things. So you write every day to meet a deadline like that? Um, I have a problem with procrastination. So I put things off. 
a lot longer than I should. So right now I'm writing every day because I have a deadline that I'm a little behind on, but I try, I try to write, um, I try to write most days. I try not to be too strict about when I write just because with my kids and they're, they're in school and just kind of life and I got to make dinner and I got to clean and I got to do all these things. And so I try to be gentle with myself, uh, give myself some grace if I don't stick to my schedule. But, um, but I try to write, I'm writing every day now to meet this specific deadline, which is in like three days. Okay. We're down to like the last two or three minutes. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners in these last moments? I would just like to say thank you for all of the support that I've, that I've gotten getting to, to be here and speak to you and talk about the vanquishers. Um, it's important because a lot of times books like this get overlooked. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm very happy for all of the support and I'm happy to be here speaking with, with you all. And we are delighted to have you here. And as a fan of the paranormal which I think is really in, in many ways a part of the thread of many Black people's lives. I mean, we don't call it paranormal. It's just we know folks who know folks who have stories to tell about things that happen after dark in the cemetery when somebody has some mojo dust. And that's, exactly. I think that's a part of their life. So I'd love to see that. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. And we hope to see hear you again. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Folks, thank you for listening in today and listening next month. Good reading to you. All right. See you in November. Y'all